one, two, one, two. Now here we go. You know what time it is? Welcome to another episode of the Frankie Lee Podcast. Our mission to empower others to break patterns, flip perspectives, so that together we have clarity, direction, and success way beyond what we ever previously thought possible. Here's your host, Frankie Lee. Yes, yes, yes. We are back with the Frankie Lee podcast. Today we have an awesome guest. You're gonna, you're gonna love this one. You're gonna vibe like an absolute mother. I'm not even gonna swear on here yet. Not, not just yet. But today we have the man himself, Mr. John Templeton. He is a high performance mindset coach, international speaker. He's been on stage with some epic people. He's a Guinness World Record holder, former, former national bodybuilding champion. Ex special forces and a celebrity trainer. Like the, the guy has been around, he's seen it, he's done it at a massively high level. And John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. What a great intro. Is Appreciate it. it. Is that was that right? I just just I want to be clear with people. Um I was a trainer for the special forces. So I wasn't a badged member. Right. Um but I I trained um I was the physical training instructor for the New Zealand SAS. That, that, so how did you get into that? Um, I So I was in the military and I always wanted to be in the Special Forces. <clears throat> I actually failed um, the commando selection process when I was yeah. a very junior soldier. Yeah. And that, you know, that dented me because I was, I was, I always thought highly of myself, right? And that dented me. I was the fittest guy in my unit. Um, and every, when you go on Special Forces selection, Everyone in the unit knows who's going. Like you see everyone get on the bus and some people don't come back and they're the ones that have made it. And so I was, there's a fitness test in the military in the New Zealand Army called an RFL, required fitness level. And I was the only person that had 100% on that in my unit. Uh, it's very hard to achieve. It's, it's a 2.4 kilometer run in under eight minutes. And then you go straight into 55 proper push-ups, um, unbroken, just pump them out. 55, 55 is the standard. If you get more, great. Yeah. Um, and then 130 sit-ups. So you do this, this these three events, you've got to hit all those targets and you get a 100% score. And obviously the run destroys you and the rest is hard. So anyway, I was super fit and everyone was like, well, he's going to pass. And I, I didn't. I pulled out. I pulled out on this. It was a 24-hour um, activity we were doing. It was just two-hour stations of just constant physical fucking abuse, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... I, I I felt like shit and I pulled out. And so that dented was, me. Was there a trigger? Was there a trigger in your mind that kind of made you pull out? Because I can't imagine that you'd pull out very fucking easily. Well, I was a different human being then. I was, I still had my, un, you know, we talked before the podcast about our inner child. Yeah. My inner child was still wounded. So although I was um, superficially fit, yeah. when, when the going got tough, like I wanted my mummy. And that, that part of me needed healing before I could endure pain, uh, like real long in, endured pain. And so that that little kid, I felt like a little boy. Um, and I looked at, and because I felt like a boy, I looked at everyone else like men. And the, the special forces instructors taking me through the process, I said to myself, I remember saying, I'm not a man like them. Like I'm, I'm different. I'm not, I'm not built for this. I'm a boy, they're men. Um, and once that kind of shit gets in your head, you're screwed. Cause you, cause you just psychologically just, just, it just ekes you out of doing something. You know yeah. what I mean? It kind of, it kind of really just, just 
moves you on from like saying it tells yourself within yourself that you can't do something that you actually could do and our our thoughts affect the way we feel and so if you have a thought like that you everyone talks about the inner critic the the the, yeah yeah, yeah. the negative mindset as soon as that comes in how does it make me feel made me feel unworthy useless shit as soon as you feel like that your whole body change your posture changes from like strong and upright and and you know i can crush anything to fucking just kill me now and that's as soon as my body went into that posture of I'm done, um, I just said like, yeah, I'd like to quit. Yeah, yeah. I, I bet, I bet that kind of that that moment that uh, it's obviously gone on to change your life since that happened. So it's obviously yeah. a good thing that happened that mm. that happened to you. But uh, but it's something and unless you choose to process it in the way that you've chosen to process it, and and now obviously going on to do everything that you've done, some people that that moment, that defining moment in your life, could could have could have continued to crush you going onwards if you hadn't boxed it off. Do you know what I mean? Because you have to really really understand the mechanics of how that worked, to, and you've you've chosen to go and work on it. Yeah, yeah. So I I got crushed, and for about a, in fact, I, I went into a depressive state. I went into the medical center in the army, and I was. I'd never felt this way before where I had given up on myself and I was in such a shitty state. I went through like this little suicidal patch as well, but I remember pulling the leaflets out in the medical center and reading, it said, um, you know, these are the symptoms of depression. And I was like, fuck, I got all of them. I was like, I'm depressed, you know? And I did, I called my mum. My mum was the only person. And that, this this confirms that my inner child was still wounded. Um, and lots of men still have this uh, and a lot of people will never heal it in their lives and that's why they um they stay in their comfort zone and never push but what happened from them was my mum actually sent me a book and it was about um it was written by a new zealand neurologist like a brain scientist yeah and it was about rewiring your mind for success and that is when things started to change when i started to put into practice um these principles for rewiring my mind and Fast forward, I I decided that special forces is very. I want to say it's for introverts. You you go clandestine, you disappear, and that's your life now. I was very. I liked partying. I liked drinking. I liked being out in the public eye. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, maybe that lifestyle is not for me. So I went for physical training instructor selection. Now, physical training instructor selection. It's four days. It's the same. It's in more intense. So, so you have to be fitter, but you get food. On with with the special forces stuff, it's like no food, no sleep, long and slow. With the physical trainers, it is intense. Like you're doing sprints, hill sprints, but then they're feeding you, so they're just battering the shit out of you, and you get a you get a bit of sleep. And I went from this state of just literally tell, depressed, telling myself I wasn't good enough, to rewiring my mind. And there's that saying, you know, fake it till you make it. I did, a part of me felt fake because I'd had failure. There was evidence in my life that I wasn't good enough. There was yeah. literally this this huge process that I failed. So it was, there was evidence that I was shit. And so going into this new selection process, it's, it's, it's grueling. Only two of us ended up passing this one. And I had mantras or mantras, whatever you'd want to call them, affirmations. I had... I had been working on my mindset and I teach this thing called the belief cycle and I was working on the belief cycle and I went through the selection process and I just had one thing in my mind, which was I had learned that even the people that were in the special forces were still fucking human beings. 
And I yeah, started to realize that yeah. I was the same as them. They had just learned things and, and had a different belief structure than me. And so going through PDI selection, physical training instructor selection, I, when I saw the instructors, I didn't look at them as different to me like I did the first time. The first time it was, they're a man, I'm a boy. This time it was, they're We're human, equals. I'm human. We're equal. And a little bit of arrogance came within me, and it, but it was good arrogance. It was like healthy arrogance of, I, I, I will beat, I will not, I will beat them, but I will beat this, this process that is here to stop me. And of course that when you're physically battered and you just want to quit, those voices come up, just stop, just go back to living a normal life. But I had this because I'd um, done like hypnosis sessions and started rewiring my, my nervous system. There was a stronger voice, which was, it was literally just don't quit. It doesn't matter how slow you go, just don't quit. And I ended up getting through to the end and getting accepted into the physical training instructor core. And then I went on to do a nine-month training. And in the nine-month training, um, I topped my course. And that was against senior soldiers. That was against uh, people that played professional sports and became special forces soldiers afterwards. So there was 13 people on the course, all high achievers, and I topped that course. And then I had evidence that I was actually really fucking good. And so I went from this place in my life where I was depressed and, and, and every part of my body was like, you are shit, to a place where every part of my body was like, you're actually pretty good. And those years, re- when I topped my course and, you know, it was, my, my, um, it was in front of uh, people that I looked up to. And I got, you know, I got my medal and I got my new new beret in the military and I got given the award. That was like a stamp on me that you can achieve anything you want in life. And and when we have evidence that supports that kind of mentality, you just keep adding on to that and you stack the positives on top of one another, which, you know, I've continued to do uh, even up throughout, until now. Throughout your career, yeah. Mm. So was it at that point when, you, when you've obviously gone on and, and you've now you're now training these special forces people and you're now putting these people that you know you didn't feel worthy of being with, around now you're putting them through physical training and you're getting them ready to go and fight and do all this stuff is that when you thought because obviously it was your mindset that flipped that allowed you to achieve that is that when you thought okay there's something to this mindset thing and I need and when I'm when I'm finished with with this part of my journey this is something I'm really going to have to go deep into because there's something so so something in this that I really really want to actually get to the bottom of and I can help other people achieve it. Mm. I definitely became interested in psychology. However, at the early stages it wasn't about other people. It was about my survival and my success. So I used those principles to for me to be successful. And I still lived in the egoic world of separation. So it was like always me versus them as opposed to me helping them. And so, and it sounds selfish and I'm totally okay with that. Um, But it wasn't until much later. In fact, it was after the Guinness World Record where I realized that to really be fulfilled in life, it was about other people. So was that, so what did you achieve the Guinness World Record in? Uh, it's a gymnastics exercise called a muscle-up. Right, yeah, yeah. So strict, it was 24 hours, as many strict muscle-ups as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's, there's a guy called, um, 
guy on the Gold Coast that does that did the pull up one. What's his uh, Kane Kane Eckstein? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 There's a lot of you guys around here setting world records. That's epic, epic thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've not got any world records, but anyway, the so when you so did you take on that world record at that time and you identified was it just a completely like a was it an ego driven thing or what was it driving you to go mm-hmm. and set this world record? Yes, I mean, uh, I'll just quickly go over the timeline. So I there was the military, there was the training, the special forces. Then I went through. I left that. Went through my bodybuilding. Um, became the national champion 2010, went through CrossFit, did re- high, highly achieved there. And then I'm... So like, are we talking, are we just, 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 just a moment, John, are we talking like CrossFit games type CrossFit? Yes. Yeah. So I didn't make the games. I right. made the regionals as an individual three years in a row, which is, uh, there's like, for example, 2,500 men would compete in the, in my division and to get to the regionals, you'd have to be like top thirty. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it's it, which, which was cool. My my strength, I was super strong. That was always good for a small dude. I was super strong, um, and very aerobically fit. So when it came to CrossFit, I just had to learn the skill of the sport. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I yeah, excelled yeah. quickly. Um, but then yeah, I, I fell in love, dude. I've, I I fell in love with this girl on the. She was in Darwin. I was in New Zealand, and Gold Coast was like a central point. So how did you meet her? Um, I was at a fitness expo in Melbourne. She was a fitness model and she was married at the time. And I, I remember I commented on her Facebook status saying, if you ever get divorced, I'll marry you. <laughs> just as a, just being a little shit. <laughs> yes. oh my God, did little I, did I know she yeah. was going through trouble in a relationship. Anyway, she, she got divorced. We started talking online and I mean, very, very aesthetically gorgeous woman, fitness model. I was at the peak of my health at this stage. I was competing. People knew who I was. I had a following on social media. Um, I had a great body. I had just sold. Well, I sold my CrossFit gyms to move to Australia. So I had money. I had the girl. I had the body. I just had everything, honestly. And I had a house. My life was so... I don't want to say it was so good because it just gets better with age. But I really was at a peak, you know, looking back. So I moved to Australia. But with, with this... That was my first time I really fell in magical, enchanted love. I, I would, this might sound crazy, but I could see, I could see a energy moving around the world. I could see colors that I could not normally see. It's really hard to describe. So every, every other woman you'd looked at previously had been like black and white, but you were saying that, that, that you saw this woman and she was like, she just captivated you. There was, yeah, if you'd call it like a soul connection, something happened. My, we were talking about frequencies before this, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the frequency that I was at was, it, what, it, it was so high that I could, I, you know how obviously we've got the um, electromagnetic spectrum yeah, yeah. and we've got the, the rainbow and then below, so, so it starts with red, but below red we've got infrared, which is under red, um, and that keeps going all the way down. And then we've got violet, and then we've got ultraviolet, and that keeps going up. But all we can see with the naked eye is the rainbow. Well, I started to be able to see the stuff you can't normally see. And this is where we get a bit woo-woo. Right. Because just because you can't see it, people think it doesn't exist. But even bouncing around this room now are, are electromagnetic waves that we can't see. Yeah. You know, dogs can hear a different frequency to us. And so... I was tuning in to a higher frequency. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was 
incredible. But this girl had two kids. She had just she was going through a divorce. She had chronic depression and anxiety. Right. Um, do you think she you was were, medicated? Do you think you at that point? Do you think that you were trying to find someone to fix because you'd already fixed yourself? I I I definitely fell into the role of trying to fix someone. I don't think I was looking for that. I was just blinded by love. Yeah, it, it yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, and over the space of so this is kind of leading into the girl world record over the space of our three year relationship. I I lost everything. I um all the money I had sold the gyms for gone. The my house I had to sell just to keep living. My physical health. I was I ended up in long story short. I was traveling around the world uh, with her. I ended up in hospital in London, and I had have morphine. I was just in so much pain uh, in my stomach, and. I got home eventually, went to Gold Coast Hospital. I couldn't string sentences together. I lost about 10 kilos. I was ghost white. I had warts growing on my body. I was just, My soul was dying. And, you know, x-rays, stool samples, cameras up my ass, everything, blood tests, nobody could fix it. Went to a naturopath. The naturopath just said, hey, are you stressed? And that's when I broke down. And ultimately this relationship was killing me. And it wasn't her. It was how I was... I shouldn't have even been there. I, I was there as her savior in my mind. And so I tried but to you leave. Be, you being the savior in that relationship was costing you so much on the back end that you you had to go and identify. And the only way to identify it was to go to this naturopath. And she's, she's gone, okay, you stressed. And you've gone, yeah, fucking right, I'm stressed because this girl's draining the fucking life out of me. Yeah. She might be beautiful, but there's no use being beautiful if you've got, you've got no soul left. That's it, 100%. And this is when I learned... That stress, I was, I was dying, I was dying, and this is when I learned that stress could kill and thoughts could kill, and uh, my, I've had so many beautiful experiences of healing with the mind, and I, I'm happy to share some of them with you. But ultimately, we, I, I called it. I broke off this relationship within the space of a week. I had my color back in my skin. I was digesting food again. Uh, I was holding water down. The warts started to disappear, and your body just started to repair itself, dude. Oh my god! I got so life powerful. Back. The body, the pa- the body is so powerful. Yep. You know what I mean? And like we were talking about at the start of this podcast with, with me, and obviously John did some coaching. I'm gonna I'm gonna find the find this snip of this, but John did some coaching with me to to get me to quit Monster before this podcast because Monster because I don't drink, smoke, or do drugs. Monster's always been like a crux to me for the last few years. Um, whereas I just have like a can a day to kind of. But that thing, that that little crux there, can compound into a massive fucking problem at the back end. Like we just talked about with you, with your relationship and stuff like that. It's very important that you identify those patterns in your life, and 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 just be fucking completely present with the fact that you've got this issue, and and fucking accept it, and just kind of and go into this uh, building this structure around solving the fucking issue as well, which is what you did. You know what I mean? And from doing that, your whole life just went changed completely polar. Everything. And I, I, I had lost myself in this relationship. I didn't know up from down, left from right, right from wrong. You know, an example was this is when we were driving in a car, normally I'd have the windows down. I was like free and loving my life, but this girl always had the windows up, air conditioning on. And to the point of she would tell me off if I put the window down. 
she was like, you know, it's ruining my hair or whatever. And so I was scared to do anything, but I loved her and cared for her so much I would never stand up for myself. And so I had my masculinity beaten out of me. I I I had my soul beaten out of me, my my identity. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I needed to cling on to something known. And I knew health and fitness. That's all I had known up to that point in my life. So I said, what is a way that I can get back to being my old self? And I loved muscle ups from CrossFit. I loved fucking ultra like endurance. So 24 hours to, to me, 24 hours of muscle ups was fun. I was like, yeah, that's this par- is something that's paradise. You've, you've seen the SAS stuff. It's kind of this really, this is up my alley. You know yeah. I mean? So I saw that on the Guinness world records website and I was like, that's the motherfucker. Ticket. That's my ticket. And <laughs> then I just signed up and 12 sort of 11 months of training. Yeah, went and went and pumped it out, and and so you were saying that on the back end of completing that completing that Guinness World Record and getting the world record, you said that then your life flipped to helping other people rather than just helping yourself. Then mm-hmm. what was that? What was that defining moment at that that made you realize? Okay, I've done all this stuff to fulfill myself and to and to, and to find myself and all this stuff, but now I need to go and impact other people because I'm not fulfilled just by fulfilling my own cup up. Mm. I mean that what you just said is it. I I within two weeks, you know, I had the I did a Facebook post and it had like five hundred likes and I was the guy again and when I learned what drives human beings and one of them and it's not an effective way to be driven, but is is status, like feeling important, yeah, yeah, yeah. having being significant. And I had done that my whole not my whole life, but a lot of my life as an athlete especially, and it was never long lasting. And that's when I, I did the Guinness World Record, had that feeling again, which was like my set. I loved it. I was just addicted to this feeling of being important. But then inside I felt empty. And that's when I was like, this. The, and I did the pro, similar process that we went through. I was like, wait a minute. If I do this again next year and the year after and achieve, 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 but feel empty, I'm like, what's the fucking point in my life? I was like, that doesn't. That, there's something wrong with that. That's not what life should be about. And so I lied in bed one day and I was like, when have I actually been sustainably happy? And the only times were when it was helping someone else. That's what brought me joy. And there's a difference between sort of success and achievement and, and joy and fulfillment. And I just put two and two together. And I went, helping people is really... Um, you know, seeing their change and their transformation within them and, and knowing that if they change, it changes their family, their kids grow up happier, the, their kids. It's, it's like a domino effect. Oh, my God. That's how so, we change the world. And, and, and it's like if, you, if you've got an unhappy man who's got like millions of dollars, but he's unhappy as fuck, uh, but he, go, he goes home and, br- and berates the shit out of his daughter and takes all her confidence away and ruins you know doesn't support his son because that you know he doesn't empower his son or anything like that and then and then you know his wife gets shit because he's feeling bad that's that's three other lives and then those three other lives go out and affect other people around them because they're negative their energy is negative now so it's like a compounding effect across many generations across it eventually ends up across thousands of people Mm. you know Probably, probably more than that, because uh, energy just travels through people into others. Hundred percent, hundred percent believe it's, that. It's osmosis. We learn through osmosis. So if we've got a wounded parent, and when I say wounded, it's you know their 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 programming is is it's off. It's yeah, off. that their 
their ego might be running the show, they're they're looking for significance, they're not whole, right? They're not whole, they haven't integrated their broken parts, then you're going to have wounded children if they're those people. There's no one to break the cycle. It's just wound after wound after wound, and wounded people are selfish, yeah, ultimately self-centered, whereas whole people who have done the work, they give. They're about, they feel complete, they feel fulfilled, so they don't need anything. So that's when they turn to giving. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think give it, giving on every, like, people say, like, when should you give this, give at this level, when should you give it that? Like, you should just be giving from, from day, like, you should always give. Like, it's, it should be your nature. It's, yeah, just, just, make, just making your makeup, like, if you walk past a homeless person, you don't have to give them money, but you could go and buy them a sandwich from the shop, it doesn't really cost you a lot to do it. You can't say I want to help like homelessness and then not help homeless people. Like, do you know what I mean? And do and these and it's not. It's just put it in your thought process. Mm. Okay, there, there are things going on in my life right now, and I can't affect the whole world. But I could, I could potentially turn the light on in someone's life today. Do you know what I mean? And just really look at it like that as a, as a, as a one by one thing, not as a, not, you're not trying to impact thousands of people from day one. Yeah. Dr. Dr. Zeus has got a saying it's, um, you might not, uh, you might not mean anything. Look, this is the gist of it. It's, you might not mean anything to the world, but to one person, you are the world. Along those lines, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. it's when you realize that you you someone could be looking up to you, someone could it could be your, your children, it could be friends, and you could mean the world to them. And if you can, if you can, the effect that you have on them ultimately is changing the world. See, there's 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 a word and there's a word that's come out in the in the in the world in the last eight to ten years, influencer. Right, I'm telling you now that we all are influences to somebody to a group of people that we can impact their lives it, it doesn't matter whether it's one person 10 people thousands of people millions of people but like you've got the power with how you present yourself to the world and how you decide to turn up that day to to impact or influence others fact fact like it doesn't it doesn't matter like how many people that affects but you, you know now like if you're listening to this podcast you know now how you're choosing to turn up to the world and how you're choosing to impact or empower other people. Because I guarantee that every relationship or every interaction you walk into today, you are going to leave that person feeling more empowered or less empowered. You never leave that person the same, ever. It doesn't happen. You either leave them more empowered or less empowered. Fact. Mm, I love that, dude. As simple as that is, it is it's 100% true. And... Just even try smiling. <laughs> just try yeah. fucking smiling yeah. at someone. Yeah, and it's watch them smile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can't because it shows empathy. Like you can't when you smile at someone, it change. You can change someone's whole state of their day. Their chemist, their biochemistry will change. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I, I did this. I was at water in the sauna, and there was this really gorgeous girl, and and she doesn't normally talk to me. And she's a bit off of me. Like she looked a bit off. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I, I just, it's just, it's just, I just smiled at her and she could not help herself. Like I just smiled at her and said, hello, how are you? I hope you've had a great day. And just went on about business. She's there, defensive mode, thinking she's going to get cracked onto because she's a beautiful looking woman. And I'm like, 
Do you know what I mean? I'm not. I'm just here to, to use a sauna. I didn't fucking know you're in here, but like, I'm still going to smile and say hello to you because I, you just looked. You just look didn't look um, as happy as you should be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that I could see in her mind that that kind of changed her perspective at that particular time. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a great. It's a great thing to watch because the biomechanics of someone when they're in the right when they're being a right miserable bastard, and then you turn them on to being this this more positive being. And to kind of learn to be in the moment more—that's that's a powerful thing. Mm. And our our that that smile, right? And what you did for that woman. Let's talk about that specific scenario. Okay, she smiles. All of a sudden, she releases different chemicals into her body, chemicals that are in alignment with health, with healing, with longevity, with anabolism, with um, with changing her state. Changing her state, changing her genetics, so affecting her genes. Yeah. So she starts expressing genes that can can um, I want to say heal in a broad term, but I'm talking also specific things. Let's use cancer as an example. Different, you awaken, you activate different genes inside yourself. You you get um, less chance of having certain diseases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you you're changing. All of these things in her by smiling at her. Now her also her vibration, her frequency changes. The frequency she's em- emitting. You know, you walk into a room, you walk into a hospital, okay, and yeah. there's lots of low vibration people there. Um, someone who's heavily medicated, low vibration. You walk into go into a go into a dance party, and high vibration. There's people yeah, just yeah. freaking yeah. loving their lives. And so you could you could not it's palpable. You if you lived your whole life like you're living in Tomorrowland, you could not get cancer. <laughs> like, <laughs> you couldn't. You couldn't because because like you, you'd be vibing at such a high frequency, your body wouldn't be able to take on disease. Hundred percent. Now now we have ups and downs. We have ups and downs. It's it's cyclical. I'm sure we've all felt highs and lows. When it's a, when it's artificial, we're going to have highs and lows. But when we have a sustained vibe that's high i call it living above the line when you are living yeah, above, above this, and below the line yeah i love this terminology I love when it. we're above that threshold um and it's it calibrates around 200 plus on the on a on the map of consciousness when we're when we're vibra- vibing at that level we we are rejuvenating um we are we are healthy we're, we're expressing the the genes that are with health and so yeah, I mean, if you're yeah, if you're vibing at the Tomorrowland vibe, if you can do that naturally, consistently, you're going to be able to. Uh, I say, run through brick walls metaphorically, as in you're going to be able to do anything. You're going to be untouchable because not many people vibe that high. And what stops us vibing high is what we what we think about. That's yeah, hundred percent. What we yeah. think about affects how we feel, and how we feel affects our vibe. And our vibe is like it's palpable. You've got. I'm just I've just made some notes before before the show and you've got and I think this is a good way to segue into this bit. You've got nine different areas uh that you talk about in fulfillment of your life in mm. in, in around spiritual health. Mm. Can you give me a bit of a background into what those nine are and how that and how they really do impact your life? Yeah, I mean you've got them written down there on a piece of paper and people do question them a lot. Um some of them and you'll see the first three are all health related: mental health, physical, physical health, spiritual health. There's another great saying. I'm, I'm going to try and remember it, but it's 
a man with a man with health. Uh, a man with health seeks multiple answers. A man with no health seeks one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just wants to he, be healthy. He, he, yeah, or, or he predetermines that in fact he can't be healthy as well, potentially. If if you're ever food poisoning or sick, all you want is to be better. Yeah. Like it's number one. And without your health, you can't enjoy um, you can't enjoy a relationship if you're not healthy. You can't enjoy your money if you're not healthy. You can't enjoy traveling, working. So health always comes first and foremost. And when I when I really learned about health, because I came from the, the the bodybuilding, right? So it's you eat healthy and the, the right nutrients heal your body. And I started to dive deeper into that because I, I saw that that wasn't really true. There were people that ate really well and then like this girl I was with for three years, super clean eating, super clean, not healthy at all. And I started to realize, and for myself, I was like, there's, there's, a, there's a mental aspect in this. And as you know by one of my life health areas is spiritual health. And I started to learn about this, the, the space between the physical world and the metaphysical world. So the physical body and let's say the spiritual body. And when we get right down to health, there's a guy called Dr. Jerry Tennant. And he's got a book called Healing is Voltage. And ultimately, his mindset was in order to create a healthy human, we need to know we need to do, be able to do one thing, and that's create a healthy cell. You've got a healthy cell, then you've got a group of healthy cells, you have a healthy organ. You have a healthy organ, you have a healthy system, you have a healthy system, you have a healthy human. So his main focus was how do I create a healthy cell? And it, he, it came down to a few things. But the smallest part of that was it starts to get quantum. We look at the atom. And we want uh, there this an atom that's unbalanced is known as like an ion, which right, yeah, you can yeah, have a negative yeah. or positive charged ion. Yep. And so a lot of so for instance, when you stand barefoot in nature, you're swapping, or if you swim in the ocean, you're swapping ions. You're removing. Is that what they call grounding? Yeah, grounding. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, cool. So there's this. This is like the smallest component of the physical body that relates to our health. But then I started to realize, I looked, I'm sure people know of Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard the name. I don't, yeah. I, I don't know what, and I'm sure gonna, you're going to expand on that. He, he's epigenetics, which is studying, ep, epi means above. So genetics is what a lot of people think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm genetically dis- predisposed to this illness or this disease or blah, blah, blah. And through his research, he, he's incredible, Um through his research, he found out that, well, no, you can actually upregulate and downregulate your genetics based on your state of being, which is based on what you're thinking. So it's the biochemistry. And how he discovered it was, you imagine getting a stem cell, which is the, 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 the root cell, which then multiplies into bone cells, into muscle cells, into every other cell in the body. So you get a stem cell, you then clone it. So it's 100% identical. And you put it, you put one in a Petri dish, and what he would do, he injected sort of stress hormones. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, cortisol, adrenaline, um, epinephrine into one, and then he had um, positive, the happy chemicals, oxytocin, et cetera, in the other one. And what he realized by having these the identical cells, it was the environment 
that dictated what the cell became. And so if it's in an unhealthy environment, so a stressful environment, it would it would degenerate and it would is be this, unhealthy. Is this like the similar analogy to like if you put a rotten piece of fruit in a good in a fruit bowl with good fruit around it, it will catch on to what the the, the, the energy of the, the energy other. of the bad fruit, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes. Yes. In a broad strokes overview, just to simplify that, do you know what I mean? Just to break that's, it down. Yeah, for sure. And I'll get into that next because that that's then talking about the energy field, which yeah, is yeah. the energy that we all give off. And so he discovered that ultimately you think positive thoughts and more importantly, you feel positive, then your genes are get You're going to activate better genes. Yeah. And obviously all the positive benefits that come with that. So that was what Bruce Lipton discovered. And really, once you realize that it's like, wow, okay, I'm going to start thinking differently. And then it, I'm not sure. Do you know Dr. Joe Dispenza? Yeah, oh mate, that guy, that guy is 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 an absolute enigma. Like honestly, like he he can rewire your mind in like two or three days. I think he does. He does. Um, I know people that have been away on his retreats. Yeah, that, that they they say it changed their whole life, completely rewired their mind. Amazing guy. You, but go on, carry on. Yeah, bro. no, yeah. I'll, I'll, so I went on his retreat, his week-long retreat in the Sunshine Coast, and I started reading about – because him and him, himself and Bruce Lipton and there's another guy, Greg Braden, they're sort of known as the three wise men. So I was diving down this rabbit hole that, that they're involved with, and I went through Dr. Joe Dispenza's preliminary courses to learn about um, the, the sort of neuroscience behind it, and he studies epigenetics as well. But he's, he brings in this beautiful spiritual context as well. So he bridges the gap between science and spirituality, um, which is just, it's just such a it's, – it's where the future is going to go. It's where, it's where it's going, yeah. yeah. 100%. And it's, it's a bridging of epigenetics, quantum physics, and old ancient spiritual practices, um, kundalini meditation and, and auric fields and things like that. And science is now catching up. Because science just proves what already exists. And so science is catching up and going, oh, wow, you know, the, the ancients were right all the time. So what a lot of Dr. Joe's work is, is meditate. It's meditation. His right, week-long yeah. retreat is, I thought I was going to learn about quantum physics and epigenetics. No, nah, you yeah. meditate. For like four, five, six hours a day, you meditate. Is that, is that hard? Yeah, I hated it. I hated it. I was throwing a tantrum. I could, there's there's our, our thoughts and our feelings. And I I was stuck in my head. I was like, teach me something new. But that, I guess that's the purpose of meditation is to not try and think right. It's to feel. And so I was kicking and screaming. And on the last day, I broke and I just started crying. It was so insane. So we were doing these these healings on people. You apply for a healing and some people get tickets to heal. And there was about 750 people at the event. There would have been about 80 people that got healings. Do the maths, but whatever it worked out to, each person getting a healing had eight people around them. We formed a cage, three on one side, three on the other, one at the head, one at the tail. And we would put our hands into their energetic field. And this is all measurable. So they measure the energy in the room. Um, and what happens is, at first, the people are lying down in the room. We all walk out of the room into the field and we meditate for an hour and they measure the energy in the room. And when the energy hits a certain point in the room, we all go back in. 
We then put our hands into the energetic field and we meditate again. Dr. Joe runs everyone through a meditation. And I was there. Um, and at, at this point, I was just, it's actually painful. I'm not very flexible. And it was painful to sit in this position. And I'm like, oh, fidgeting. And then I just surrendered. And I was like, you know what? I quit. And it's funny. The moment you let go of something, it comes into your life, right? So I let go of all, everything I was trying to force and I just felt this fucking energy come down through my head, through my whole body, and I just bawled. And I cried, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And my hands were in this person's energetic field. And this person started, like, convulsing and shaking and arching up on their back, having waves of energy go through them. And it's until you've experienced it, you you can't comment. So, And once you experience it, you also can't go back to living a normal life. So we did these energy healings and there were people, there was, a, I'll never forget, a lady who was partially blind. One of her eyes was, was blind and she got her vision back in her eye and she was just up on stage crying, going, I can fucking see. There was an Indian girl, a big Indian girl who had fibromyalgia, pain all through the body, gone. And she was just standing there like, she's like, I've got no pain in my body. Um, and there was a man who had 50% heart, oh, it might, might have been 20 capacity of his heart, couldn't even stand up and walk without heavy breathing, who was charging, storming, not running, but walking, like power walking around, and his heart had healed. And then you start to connect the dots. And all, all lowering of energy fields is trauma, past trauma. And that can be, depending depending on your beliefs, past lives. This morning I did a past life regression with an NRL athlete I was actually telling you about. Yeah. yeah. So it can be trauma from past lives. It can be trauma f- during pregnancy. Um, you, We feel. We, what was their trauma? So the way, the way that I work with trauma is there are five kind of key emotions I clear out of their energetic field. And that's anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt. And the... Anger was from in the womb. A lot of her trauma, so this is a female NRL player, a lot of her trauma was um, in the womb with... Uh, with her mum's thoughts transmitted into her. Yeah. yeah. And the way her father also treated her. But some of the stuff in the womb was the guilt. The guilt. A lot of the guilt was in the womb... Uh, uh, no, the, the hurt was in the womb from not – there was a period during that the, the being in the womb where she had felt um, that her parents didn't want her. Like, you know, termi- so, well, let's terminate do, the, do, the baby do, kind of thing. Do you know what, right? So between, between me and my sister, my mum had another daughter called Michelle. Michelle died. I went to – and I'd always felt like – I'd always felt like, to, to me, like my mum didn't love me as much as my sister, right? And it's something I've had to go through a lot of work on inside my inside myself to obviously box this stuff off and to be able to even speak to you about it right now. And obviously I've touched upon this in the past in the podcast and I've, I've mentioned it and it's it's all good, right? Here's the thing I learned, right? So when, when my mum was, I went to see this medium, right? And there's, there's, there's a podcast on this, I talk about it. She told me that, it wasn't the fact that that my mum didn't didn't love me or this that and the other. She said to me, "Your mum was so fucking worried 
not she didn't swear. She said that to she me was gonna she, she was going to lose me wow. um, because she didn't think she could have any more children. And because of that whole thing and that transpired into the into her thought process through the pregnancy which obviously transferred into into me to get to give me these feelings in the initial period and then obviously when I was born and the way that she treated me is that was slightly different to my sister because of everything that she predicated on her past and what she's been through as a mum which you can't imagine what it's like for a woman to go through that so so in order to for me to personally repair that and and obviously to no longer resent my mum for thinking that she didn't love me, I've had to to work on the fact of thinking to myself, okay, imagine that woman and how she felt losing a child. Now put yourself in her shoes. Now, now I can kind of, now I've flipped it and I've understood. And it was such a fucking, I know it sounds a bit gay, right? Such good, a dude. fucking beautiful thing because I only, I, I, for, I was able to forgive my mum at like 30 years old um for this for this i was so angry at her man i didn't fucking i didn't fucking realize how angry i was at my mom for fucking so many years it fucking upset me everything i'd done in life was to prove something to someone to something this to fight i want to fight this person over here about this issue because this is to prove that frankie is this and to prove that frankie is that and all this stuff and and I just had to, I just feel like it's the right time to say this on here, but like that changed my whole fucking life. Seriously, oh, like, I think it's beautiful, man. Just just being able to, it was like a weight was lifted off my shoulders. And I know it sounds a bit woo woo as well. But I'm going to tell you this: when I went to, when I I, I want to mention this because it, it puts context around it. So my mate Brandon came into the gym. He wasn't even meant to be in the country. He came into the gym and he passed me this message about this, this woman, right? And when I went to see this medium, she said to me that, <laughs> this sounds far-fetched, I know, but I can't, until you felt it. You mate, won't surprise me. Yeah, until, <laughs> until, you feel, until you feel it right, people think, oh, mate, you're chatting shit, right? But she said to me that, that Brandon wasn't meant to be at the gym that day. He wasn't even meant to be in the country, but his, his grandma had, had spoken to my grandma and I was real close to my grandma when I was a kid and she said it's the right time to to get Frankie into the room and to kind of understand this whole concept and she taught she told she I walked in that room and she taught I'd not said anything to this woman and she told me all this before I even sat at the fucking table man so you can't it's not like you can just go on google and search this out man she pressed buttons in my mind that I'd never had pressed by anyone before like she, this 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 feeling, do you know what I mean? It's, you cannot describe it. So I fully understand exactly what you've just said, and I just want people to understand that before you go taking on this burden of how you feel about the way that someone else has has treated you, I want you to understand one thing. The first thing I want you to understand is there's your truth, the real truth, and their truth, and the real truth is right in the middle. The second thing I want you to understand is if you just put yourself in that person's predicament just for a second now, just think about it. Like, let's talk about my mom again for a second. You think about how that woman felt losing a fucking child. You know what I mean? It's, that, that, you can't, you, you got to be able, it, once you understand that, it frees you from, from the rest of it. Do you know what I mean? And it just allows you to move on with your life. And that's exactly what happened to me. I think that 
when I said it during that, I think it's beautiful. And I mean that sincerely. Um, and I don't know what your listeners are like. Maybe they're tough boxing people and stuff I, like I, that. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. I've not. I've not tried to tap into the into the boxing 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 thing yet. I wanted to start this podcast about more than just boxing. The future no. of masculinity is in the softness, because a lot of men aren't integrated with with the the tough man, especially <laughs> like the British British like very tough exterior and we you know we're as men to maintain that and coming through the military <clears throat> we maintain it and then we see so many men especially committing suicide it's because they can't be vulnerable because they have to have this tough exterior and i think i fucking love seeing men when they get in touch with that more feminine vulnerability the openness because it's to me that's a real fucking man who's who's in fact this dude said it to me the other day great guy he said, we can only be as strong as we are gentle. And I was like, that's a real man who understands that this woo-woo world, this soft, loving, nurturing, man, that you you want to bring in high-quality woman into your life, They, we need to be able to flex into both spaces of being Mate, soft need, and gentle. You need to be able to connect on, on more than just this physical fucking level where mm-hmm. you're all just in a big cock swinging competition in the gym. Do you know what I mean? It's not It's not even about that. It's like, can you even have a conversation with a woman that doesn't involve you around fucking putting your fucking something in her? Do you know what I mean? Like, do you know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not just about that, is it? It, there has to be more substance to it than that. It can't just be about this this, this dick swinging competition that you're involved with. Do you know what I mean? 100%. So it's like, I, I when I set off on this p- path to do this podcast, John, right? It was never, it was always about, okay, if you're going to fucking do this, Frankie boy, just just add some fucking value into people's lives. Share some things that you've fucking learned. Share some things that are, show a vulnerability within yourself because that's where the fucking growth is. All the growth in my life has come through vulnerability. It's like when, when I when I had to learn the let I was in the gym one day when I was a uh, I was probably about eighteen years old, and there was the world amateur number one Michael Maguire was in the gym, right? Ph- phenomenal, phenomenal boxer. He had just been to prison at the time. This time he ever come out of prison, so he's out of shape, right? I come in the gym. I'm in shape. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm in the best physical condition. I'm not too shabby. Anyway, I get in the ring with him for fucking four rounds. He fucking hands me my ass. Like, he fucking, he is just the matrix compared to me. He is in the top 1% of athletes. He fucking smashes me from pillar to post, puts me on my fucking ass, three uppercut combinations, steps around, hits me to the body. I'm laying there on my back in the gym. At that moment, I knew my purpose. I ain't going to be a top amateur or a top professional boxer. So I had to pivot and pop into into becoming the best trainer that I could because I knew that my purpose wasn't boxing anymore. Because you can't, you have to be willing to, to, to learn and to listen to what, to what the world's trying to tell you right now. And then when I became the pro trainer and I went on this fucking prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself, masculinity, I'm the man, I'm going to prove to the world that I'm this fucking pro boxing trainer. When I was stood there, I stood, right? Michael Buffer was announcing Gary Cochran to the ring against Jeff Horn, right? He's announced, he's announcing this fucking fight, John. I'm not even shitting you, announcing it. We're, we're, we're in this curtain. There's 11,000 fucking people, Brisbane Stadium. Wicked, right? 11,000 fucking people. This is meant to be the epitome of everything that you fucking wanted. 
I walk, Michael Buffett's announcing us. We walk into the ring, walk into the ring, walk into the ring. I stepped into the ring under the rope. I let Gary go under the ropes. I opened the ropes. Let Gary go under the ropes. Frank and everyone else was under the ropes. We went in the ring. We stood in the center of the ring, mate. No word of a lie. He's going, and in the red corner, we're in it. Do you know what I mean? All that stuff going on. Introduces Gary, introduces Jeff. I'm stood there, mate. I'm looking out into the fucking crowd. No word of a fucking lie. Empty. I realised in that fucking moment, I spent my whole fucking life chasing something and the ladder was lent against the wrong wall. I'd lent against the wrong wall. That wasn't my purpose. That wasn't what I was meant to do. And I've never, ever trained or been involved with pros since that moment. Since that moment. And it's those little things in life that teach you so much, but you've got to be willing to to be open enough to, to feel it and to, and to actually... When you feel this stuff, you've got to be willing to accept that that is the truth. You know what I mean? And then be willing to talk about it like this. So it's a beautiful thing, like this, this whole this whole podcast journey, this whole journey, that this conversation and everything that, that people can get out of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm, 100%. It's, it's, that's wisdom, to, to listen to the... When I, I've, I've got a snapped collarbone right, right now, um, and someone said to me, you, first you get tickled by a feather, then you get hit with a brick, and then you get hit by a truck. Yeah. And it's just a sign to guide you towards what you're meant to be doing in life, you know? And our feelings are freaking signposts. Um, and so it's, it, to me it shows wisdom when someone goes, you know what? I'm not meant to be doing this. 100% man. You, you you have a lot of people that get to the end of their life unfulfilled because they've forced something to happen that they're not meant to be doing. Whereas you got the you got the tickle with the feather of hey fuck I'm feeling a bit empty. I don't think this is the thing. And then you pivoted. I I I did all right like considering considering what I started with and what I ended up doing within within as a boxing trainer. I did all right in boxing, right? There's no fucking but but if I'd been in flow if I'd been in flow, like Paul Price talked about in a previous podcast, and I'd and I'd been and I'd been operating on feelings, I'd have I'd have identified long before that moment that my ladder was lent against the wrong fucking wall, and I perhaps would have pivoted into this sooner. Which I feel like when I'm in a podcast and when I'm vibing with people like yourself, I feel like I'm totally. This is this is my purpose. This is what I'm meant to be doing. Mm. This is the transfer of energy I want to put into the world. This is me. Mm-hmm. This is this is Frankie. This is what Frankie is meant to do. This is how. This is exactly how I feel. But I can only identify that feeling because I felt what where I felt where people on the outside think, "Fuck me, you're, you're you're successful. You're doing this. You're doing that." But on the inside, you're like, "Fuck, this is perceived success to everyone else that's looking upon me." But I feel like a motherfucker because I'm like, "This is not me, man. This is not me. I'm not. I'm not even an aggressive guy. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't even like fighting. Like it's it's not even it's not even my." I don't, I, I, I've not watched boxing since that day. I've not watched it. I still see little clips of boxing and I like them and I, I still watch my friends spar and I do a little bit of this, that and ever. But in terms of like, I don't watch the sport as perfect. Like I don't watch the professional boxing. I don't watch the amateurs. I don't go watch no competitions. If people talk to me about boxing, I, I just like kind of pivot away from the conversation because I'm like, this is, this is like, I love that's it. That's my past. I love it. I love, I love that. But that's, that, that's, that's not where I'm going. Mm. I don't want to dwell on that. That's not where I'm going. Um, I respect the art and I love the science behind it. And I, and I believe I would like to set up boxing gyms and stuff like that for kids to help them 
develop as as men and women and to give them purpose and all that stuff but i don't want to live there do you know what i mean i don't want to live there so so the that's why it's like i don't even i don't even have it in a i don't you know how people hang on to titles that they've acclaimed so so one thing i noticed was the fact that i, I looked at my bio one day on instagram and i'm like mm-hmm. professional boxing trainer mm-hmm. i'm like when and i said to myself when was the last time you was a professional boxing trainer Frankie? okay 2000 and late 2017 18 Right? That's the last time you work with pros. So you, you you tend to hold on to these titles that are self I've still got a license as a professional boxing trainer. I still am a professional boxing trainer, but I don't need to swing my dick around that because it's not where I'm going. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you've got to identify that within yourself too. Mm-hmm. Like it's very, very important that you're honest with yourself. And that's what so many people, are, I think, are afraid of. Mm. They're afraid of this vulnerability, like you say. Yeah, and our identity is we will we will act, we will behave in accordance with who we think we are. And I always say to people, you get in life equal to who you think you are and which is our identity. And your Instagram bio is one of the, one of the, it's your identity. You read someone's Instagram bio. It's like, you, you know a lot about the person just by reading it. And I remember there was a time in my life, very similar to where you are now or were, I was a CrossFit coach training athletes, but I'd started the mindset and I'd done my hypnotherapy training. And there was this period of time where I was, I didn't know who I was. Am I the, trainer or am I the mindset coach? Am I the fitness coach or the mindset coach? And it was this spot of limbo. And then I, I made the D. I changed my Instagram bio. And I say to people now, you want to change your life, change your Instagram bio. 100%. Because you will, you will act equal to who you think you are and your identity. And that bio is, is who, you know, for people that are on social media a lot, is that's who we're showing ourselves to the world. So if you truly want to commit to something, do it publicly on your Instagram bio and public commitment is like leverage. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's exactly the commitment I always make to myself. I always make the commitments to myself in public now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell people openly and honestly on this, through this journey of this podcasting thing, this podcast will be a fucking top podcast in Australia, probably in the UK too. And, I, and hopefully the fucking world, I'll make that happen. I don't, I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to fucking happen, but I'm going to fucking do it. Like I don't give a fuck. Like this, this, this is this is it now for me. I've fully committed to it, fully committed, all in, no going back. And when you commit to it, like you just said on a public forum, that is some powerful shit. Mm-hmm. That is some powerful shit. And more people need to need to commit to shit publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, it's so so fundamental to 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 achieving high success yeah. in in life. Whatever success is to you, is all predicated on your commitment to doing doing the work, to doing to putting yourself out there to be able to. To, to meet the people that make this shit happen. Because you don't have to know all that in day one. Oh, no. And you know what? There's that. There's the, the perfectionists that are listening that want to make sure they know it all before they take the jump. It's like, learn to build wings on the way down. You know what I mean? Change the bio, jump off the cliff, and then learn how to fly. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Because there's so... Yeah, you're just not... That, that, that's where all the juice is in learning in life. All the juice comes from like... That 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 fuck, fuck me! I'm going that direction now. I've got to fucking learn. Fuck, do you know what I mean? I've got to learn all this shit. Uh, you, uh, this is a perfect story, but Rocky um, Sylvester Stallone. I'm yeah. sure you know his story. Yeah, was was a, an actor. Wanted to be an actor in Hollywood, right? And was broke to the point he had to pawn his dog. Yeah, I mean, at first it was his partner's stuff, and. Had to obviously loved his dog. Had to pawn his dog to to keep living, and he 
stayed up one night and he watched, uh, I think it was a Vander Holyfield fight. Uh, no, 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 what did it, Muhammad Ali. Watched Muhammad Ali fight and wrote the script for Rocky in a few days. Just did not sleep and just wrote it out. Took it into the studio, and this is a broke man. Uh, took it into uh, the producer. And they said, this is a good script. We'll give you um, something like hundred grand for it, US. And this was back in, I'm, I'm going to say, the 70s. And he said, no. He said, I want to be the main actor. They're like, we'll buy the script off you. He's like, no, I want to be Rocky. And they said, dude, you can't talk. Because he, he had, um, neuro, I think, neurological problems as a child. He yeah. has this thing. And, and they said, no. And he said, no. And they were like, you're crazy. You're fucking broke. And he's like, I want to be that the main actor. And they were like, no. And so they were like, okay, we'll give you 200 grand for it and you're not the actor. And he's like, no. And then they said, okay, we'll give you, you know, 30 grand for it and you can be the actor. And he said, yes. And he went back and bought his dog back because he, he, he had was on the, he was living on the streets and he paid thousands of dollars for that dog as well because they knew he wanted the dog back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He paid thousands. I think he sold the Sold the dog for a couple of hundred dollars, but he paid thousands for it to get it back. I think maybe even around ten thousand. I don't know. Someone research it, Google it. But this is this is what you're talking about is when you commit to it. And so he was committed. You think about being dirt broke, living on the street. You've just pawned your dog, and you get offered a hundred grand US at that time. What? That's like half a million Australian now. If you're in the UK listening, you, you do the maths. Most people would be like, fuck yes, my life just changed. This dude said no, 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 no. It wasn't about the money to him. It was about his, his legacy. His fucking, yeah, his dreams. And then what did they do? They filmed the film, the film, and it crushed it, just blew up, and he made that money fucking 10 times over. And that's the power of knowing what you want and not having, not having plan B, you know what I mean? I think I think the I think it also shows the measure of the man to commit to getting your dog back no matter what the price you'll pay for it. Do you know what I mean? That's heart. a beautiful metaphor that that mm. kind of that kind of really resonates, and and that's why I think that's why he's so successful because it's it's not it's not the money it's not the writing of the script it's not that story the the real juice in that is the fact that you know the 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 compassion towards the animal. Do you know what I mean? That's what that's that that's what touches me about the when I read that story for the first time. I was probably I was probably like sixteen or eighteen years old. Like and and that what what really got me was the was the story of the dog. Do you know what I mean? That there was a man that literally spent all his money that he just got in advance to get his dog back to go broke again. He knew he was going to be in this film at this point, but he's just so willing to that 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 animal was the only thing around him at the time when he had nothing. Do you know what I mean? So he was going to be he was going to be back around his animal to to at, at that time when he had something. Yeah, the dog stars in the film too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember now. It's yeah, such a fucking cool story. Yeah, it's, yeah. That, it's, that is some powerful. You were saying um, we were talking about the the nine different areas of of fulfillment around spiritual health. But, yeah, but I think we got a bit way. Off. We did. We we went way off. My apologies. No, 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 mate, mate. I think there's. I think there's a bit of juice in it. You know what I mean? I I think I gave away some. some I mean, you you can list them out, but really, you you've got look. You've got the nine. You've got the nine different areas of of fulfillment, and you talk about mental health, physical health, spiritual health, recreation, family and family and tribe, wealth, appearance, love, and intimacy. Mm. 
is it is it can you give anyone like a broad strokes overview of of why those nine are so fucking important to be on 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 parity and on point they i just looked at everyone's lives and i was like this is what people value health is one um you know recreation which could be their their activities they do in their spare time yeah and a lot of people family and tribe is very high up as a value um wealth is and i put appearance in there because not a lot of people deny it, but you, when you want to see what someone really values, look at how they're spending their time and their money. And there are people, and I'm going to say, like a lot of women that spend a lot of money on their appearance. Yeah, yeah. And so, the reason we value something often is because there's a void in us. We want it because we don't have it. And so, I put appearance in there. A lot of people question that because it's so superficial, and it's true. It is superficial, but. If you can be happy with how you appear, it makes a huge difference to all areas of your life. So that's why that's in there. Love is about connection we have with people, um, and intimacy is an intimate connection. Um, not necessarily sex always, but you know our, our our love life, our intimate life. Yeah, how how we how we how we interconnect and entwine in that person in a relationship, and or whether it be friendship or whatever. It's like you know how 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 well do we know that person and how yeah. connected are we? And so those are the areas. And when just a really simple one to 10, just, just be honest with yourself, go through and say, and grade yourself. Yeah. How, how, what's your mental health? One to 10, your physical health, one to 10, spiritual health, recreation. And you can see where you're lacking. And I take people through like a life mapping process where we look at them and we discover, this is how we, Get. Is this is this is this the um the the wheel that you do that you do a wheel where you the wheel where you, of life yeah is, and, and if your wheel's not equal and like you grade yourself from one to one to ten but if your wheel's not equal that's that's why your life's not flowing around is that, that it's the kind of thing similar but we I go deeper yeah, yeah I go deeper um and start looking at at really our values drive our decisions and so I start looking at why people are making the decisions they make based on their scores. So the things that they value, the so the wheel of life is kind of how fulfilled are you in it? Cool, work on the thing you're not fulfilled in. With this, it's it's one step deeper because we look at why why there is why they're valuing something so much. Um, so so they rate it one to ten, but what they also do, if I gave you a hundred units, okay, of, which of time or time and money. Yeah, yeah time, time and money. money hundred yeah. units. And I said, hey, I want you to put beside each one... What you value it at. How, not what you want it to be. Time and money. How much do you put out of the 100 to your mental health? And you go down. And what we then do, we see... We look for the thing that has... If someone's putting no effort into something and they're low on the fulfillment level, you've got to target that first. Yeah. Because it they... It affects the rest of your life, doesn't it? Yes. Whereas if you just look at the wheel of life, you're looking at just fulfillment, but not actually how they're putting their resources in. And then the next thing you target is something that you put a lot of energy into, but you're still unfulfilled. That's the one that's causing them the pain in life. And so it's like a, a if you can imagine building a stack of like a house of cards, a lot of people are fucking around with the top cards. But if you just pull one out the bottom, the whole thing collapses. It's like find the biggest domino and not the biggest domino over. Bang. That's it. Yep. That's yeah. the analogy you're getting at, isn't it? Yeah. I love it. And on from that, I know you're massive into like hypnotherapy mm-hmm. and that hypnotherapy's had a massive kind of pivot on, on your life and the way that you look at things. 
give me a bit of a background to how you discovered that and, and what you, and what you kind of practice in regards to it. Yeah, so I discovered it when I had when I was getting ready for that selection process. That's when I started listening to hypnotherapy, um, and all I knew is that it worked. I didn't care how it worked. I just knew that it worked. Like I said back then, it was selfish. I wanted results, and I listened to hypnotherapy recordings. There's a hypnotherapist called Paul McKenna. He's actually British. Paul McKenna. Yeah, I know Paul McKenna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I listened to his stuff, and it 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 helped me. And then when it came to realizing that ath- when I was coaching athletes physically, I realized that it was their mind. I went, you know what? Maybe I should learn hypnotherapy so I can use it with them. So that's when I studied hypnotherapy, became certified, so that I could use it to change people's at first it was athletes and now it's like wait everybody needs this yeah yeah. so you practice hypnotherapy within within what you teach as a mindset trainer and all that stuff yeah and any events i run um i mean if you go to my website there are hypnotherapy recordings people can listen to so it's it's a powerful tool yeah, epic, epic. Give me a so give me a so obviously we 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 digressed a lot and uh, and and we, I want to bring it back on back on the path. So we we went through all your your, your journey into through selection process and obviously into into bodybuilding and into Guinness World Record and through relationships. Now you've obviously found this mindset high performance coaching model. How did you go about build building that out and starting it and can you give any advice to people that want to change? Because you mentioned in this podcast previously that you were at a point where you thought, I have to change my identity with this because that's what's going to help me accentuate into this. What, yeah, what kind of context can you put around that for people? Um, I don't know. I don't understand the question. So, so basically, what I'm what I'm what I'm, what I'm saying is, you obviously moved moved into mindset coaching, and there was a specific point where you decided, okay, I've got to shut off from this, which mm. generates me revenue over here, mm. but, but and then and then moved into this mindset coaching. At what point did that happen? Oh, dude, that's that. I can pinpoint the moment in time. That's that, what. I, that's what I'm trying to get. Yeah. Okay. So sorry for my long winded. No, act. no, it's good. <laughs> as as I'll pain. And pleasure is what motivates everyone. Usually it's pain. You know, yeah. you, you you wait until you're very sick before you start to become healthy. You don't – comfort is the enemy of change. So a lot of people are so comfortable. We live in a well, – we're in the Gold Coast, but really anyone in the Western world who's 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 doing, doing all right is comfy. So there's no motivation to change. They just go about their life. But I was doing my hypnotherapy certification – and there's a guy, Luke Pierce, you should get him on the podcast. He was my instructor. And he, we took, we went through a visualization process. We visited our past and blah, blah, blah. Went forward in time, right? I'll give you his detail. I can give you his details. Yeah, I'm just writing his name down here. And we went forward in time two years. So it's just going to the future two years and you're, you're pulling up to your house. Yeah. And so, you know, you're envisioning this, you know, beautiful house. And so I was like, cool, I like my new house. And we walked around the house and we had to go upstairs to the bathroom and we had to look at ourselves in the mirror. So we had to see our future self, two years in the future. And the person in the mirror, our future self, had to tell us the advice we needed in order to live that life. So it was like wisdom coming from the future self. And my future self looked at me and didn't say a word, not one word, but the look 
was absolute disgust. And the words that I got from that was, you are not living up to your full potential. And you're not beating at the right frequency. You, you No, you are, you are, you, you carry on like this, you're going to die unhappy. Like, pull your finger out your ass, unleash that fucking, that, that beast in you and go and do what you're actually meant to be doing. Raise the standards in your life. And so in that moment, when he looked at me, my future self looked at me, I broke. I just broke and I cried. The visualization ended a little bit afterwards and I went up to the instructor, Luke, he'll, he can tell you about it. And I hugged him and I just sobbed on his shoulder and that evening I had a partner at the time, I went home and I just cried and cried and cried. And then for about six weeks, you know if you've got like a, a sore spot or a wound, yep. just the littlest touch of it, it, it stings. Yeah. And so I was an emotional wreck for about six weeks of I'm not fucking happy with where I am. And that's when I started going, well, well look, you've got one life. You can do anything you want. What would you want to do? And I started to look at who my sort of heroes and mentors were, and they've changed from time to time. And I started to look towards people like Tony Robbins and Dr. Joe Dispenza. Now, I didn't know Dr. Joe at this time, but I knew Tony Robbins. I was like, you know what, I fucking love that kind of stuff. You knew who he was or you knew him personally? Knew who he was, listened to his recordings, you know, going through my first business, which is an ordeal of its own, and he helped me a lot winning the uh, national bodybuilding title. So I was like... That's cool. I knew he knew hypnotherapy, so and I'd just been certified, so I was like, "That's that's who I want to work towards." And it was the pain of that future self that really said, "You've got to fucking make a change." And as soon as I changed my Instagram bio, like this is another probably podcast on its own of the yeah, journey yeah. of going. From, I can see us doing a few, to be fair, <laughs> from. Um, from this, you know, I was a fitness instructor. This is when I was training the celebrities for the films to, to becoming a mindset coach and then, you know, making multiple six figures doing that, The that journey on its own. But I changed my bio and I remember the day I changed my bio and my old business, I sold it. My online fitness business, I sold it. My new business started to thrive and it was because my energy and focus was one way. It's like, yeah, I'm, yeah. this is me now. This is, this is like you with the podcast. Like, this is me now. And and you're crushing it here. And I started to crush it there. So it was the pain of not living out my full potential. Yeah, no, no, I fully, I fully, mate, I fully understand it because I've done so many things in life that have destroyed my soul. Like, even my dad taught me carpentry when I was a kid and he, he did it because he wanted me to have a skill that I could always fall back on. Mm-hmm. But... And, I, and I'm fucking good at it, to be fair. <laughs> like, no, I am. But like, it, but it's, it's no use being good at something that you that doesn't fucking light you up. No. It, 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 that, but it doesn't, it, if you're really fucking good at something, but it doesn't really fill your cup up and you can't, re- the, the reason I stayed at Carpentry so long, I realised this when I did, I did English heritage work in the UK. So I looked after cathedrals, Westminster Abbey, worked in worked in palaces. Like I've done some proper real stuff. The only fucking saving grace and the and and what I try and tap into uh, about that is the fact that I I can go back to to a building, say like Peterborough Cathedral, and I can see the 
door that I restored and hung that's been there for thousands of years or damaged in a fire and I've restored it back to its former fucking glory. And that makes me extremely fucking fulfilled. But when I came to Australia and I, and, and I started to, to just trade time for money, fitting out Louis Vuitton stores and all that, man, I was so destroyed. And it's like, you've got to, you've got to fucking identify it and, and pivot away from that motherfucker as soon as you can. Cause that will just kill you and eat you. Safety and security and making ends meet will kill you. It will. So there are really six things that drive us. And a lot of people are driven by, so the, the six are safety, security, certainty, wanting to be safe, secure and in control ultimately. And so if that's your primary driver, you're not going to go far in life. You're going to stay in comfort. And I mean financially, um, emotionally, you're not going to grow. Another thing that drives us, uh, the second one of the six is is fun, is excitement, is something new, is variety in life. Yeah. And a lot of people chase that and it's, you know, it's fun. That's the dopamine driven people. And, and, Another temporary area. highs, would you say? Temporary yeah, highs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. It, you'll swing between that sort of chasing those highs and then coming back to certainty because you'll be in this in this place where it's so new, and all of a sudden you'll you'll want you'll want something to grounding, and then you come back to being grounded. And a lot of people swing between those two. Um, the third one, and a lot of these are driven through our neurotransmitters. So obviously, if we're stressed. Um, and we've got stress hormones within us, we seek certainty. We, we want to cling to something which is known, and then uh, the stress can disappear. We want the paycheck. <gasps> now we don't have to stress. Everything's fine. So people that are driven by that stress response won't get far. Lowered IQs, lowered health, it's just not healthy. People that are driven by that dopamine are always looking for the next best thing. Even sex addiction, you talked about, dopamine-driven. Yeah, wanting yeah, wanting yeah, a yeah. wanting yeah, yeah. different stimulus. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. The next one is driven more serotonin driven, which is wanting to feel important. We talked about this before. Driven by significance, uh, a lot of a lot of men have this as one of their primary drivers. And then oxytocin is another primary driver, which is love and connection and bonding. They're the sort of four primary drivers of biological. And then the other two, uh, this is where we start to look at ethereal spiritual is contribution and giving back some people are truly yeah, yeah, inspired yeah. and driven by that 100 percent, 100 percent. because it's all about that's all about like okay i'm doing this over here but in order to get the fulfillment the full the full juice out of doing it you've you have to kind of be doing it for a bigger purpose and that bigger purpose does usually involve helping other people yeah like on, on a bigger level there's that saying it's like a chinese proverb that the wise man plants the seed knowing he won't get to sit under the shade of the tree yeah and that that is beautiful man yeah fucking beautiful and then the last driver is is progress growth yeah becoming more humans are built humans are built to uh, to keep moving forward they are built for that growing and giving growing growing and giving more back yeah and there's this threshold between the 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 biological human which is the first four driven by chemical addictions um and then the, the next two are more of when someone is back in their nature. Because if you look at nature, if it doesn't contribute to, to – if it doesn't contribute, it will die. It will be eliminated. If there's an animal that doesn't contribute in some way, like the – To bee, the ecosystem. To the ecosystem, yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's eliminated. 
and you look at nature, it's always growing, always growing. So to be able to contribute and to grow are our natural essence. And that's when that's when people will, more often than not, when they're growing and giving, they will be pretty fulfilled. And when they're stuck in their chemical biology, going from one to the next, that's highs and lows. So there's this difference between sort of fulfillment and highs and lows. It's amazing that you've related it back to nature and how nature takes back what was once owned by nature, right? Because I saw on this late David Attenborough TV series where he's at Chernobyl, yeah, right? And you see Chernobyl was like massive nuclear disaster, this, that, and the other. Everyone cleared out of their desolate place. It's like when you fly over Chernobyl now, it's like the the, the wild and the forest has grown out the city through the houses and it's just like nature's just pumped. Like all the animals are just normal, healthy animals. Like the the air is just took, it's got its own ecosystem back. It's like fully, it might be a little bit radioactive, but it's like nature's just gone on boom Mm. like that. Do you know what I mean? It's taking Mm. it all back. That's what you've got to do as a human. You've got to take that all back on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nature's the only true, like, uh, thing that's going to continue. And even as humans, when we die, we get recycled back into the earth and then the fucking animals eat us or, you know, if we get scattered in the ocean, we... We, we nourish. We nature, nourish back into the ground. It's such a... Yeah, it's such a perfect creation. Mm. So... And we'll, and mate, I, f- I fully agree with you. In I just want to move on to the to how people can obviously find you and and, and connect with you on a, on a, on a, on this kind of level because I'm sure you could coach no end of people. C- can you give people a bit of understanding on the kind of like programs you run now and and everything like that and how they can obviously get in touch with you and and get this stuff going? Yeah, for sure. And I'm working on a new program now, but really, it's it's. I'm going to say it's hard to pinpoint what I do, but if what I've talked about today is is piqued your interest, because a lot of people are going through life solving very low level problems, yeah, yeah, um, problems that don't don't uh, move the needle. No, right. And I don't want to play in that space. I want to play in the space of wait. I want to. I want to. You want to knock over the biggest domino is what you yeah, want to do. Yeah, which is which is we're talking deep um, soul level transformation. Um, and people don't just Google soul level transformation. So if this has piqued your interest, just just contact me on or even just follow me. Just start yeah. with that we'll, we'll, social we'll media. Put, we'll put your link we'll put your link in the bio and the link to your website so people can see exactly what you do. I think it's really, really hard to articulate exactly what you do. Because I don't think high performance mindset coach really does articulate exactly what you do. Because it's more like it's more like and it's what it's I, I offer a bit of mentorship to people outside the podcast and it's more about connecting and understanding another human's point of view and then analyzing what they say and then kind of holding the mirror up to their bullshit and showing them that 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 is that bit of bullshit right there blocks everything else you're trying to fucking achieve in life and don't you understand if you fuck that right off you can actually move forward and you can move forward with clarity and focus you you figure out a title for me i'll pay you handsomely because i can't figure out how to put what i do into words yeah i i put my why statement at the start of this podcast Mm -hmm. break patterns flip perspectives Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff and that when i got clear on that that really helped me Mm -hmm. so we will definitely help you get 
get clear on how you can describe it because mm. I, but but I don't think high performance mindset coach is it. I know that's part of what you do, but it's so much more to it. Do you know what I mean? Because how many high performance mindset coaches can do hypnotherapy and do all the other stuff at the back end that you can do? Mm. So yeah, we'll, we'll definitely work on that. But mate, I just want to again say fucking thank you so much for coming on here, man. It's been an ep- epic time, man. Uh, and you got some stuff out of here on me I wasn't expecting to drop today. <laughs> so so we definitely definitely vibed on that level, man. Is there any outstanding statements that you want to give to the listeners before you go? Just get clear on what you want in this lifetime um, as if you have a magic genie and work towards that because when you live in alignment with your values, which is really what's important to you and the things you want to achieve, it doesn't matter if you're broke. It doesn't matter about – you're not relying on anyone else for your happiness or your fulfillment because you're doing what you want to be doing with your life and the right people will come in. So just get very, very clear on – what you want to achieve before you kick the bucket and just spend each day doing that and you and will work be, you'll be fulfilled. Yeah. Thank you again so much. Pleasure. Thank Guys, you. Guys, you can follow, uh, it's at John Templeton official on Instagram. You can follow me at Frankie Lee. I hope you've gained some value from this podcast that we've put, put out for you today. I hope this has reached your ears at the right time for you and where you're at in life. And I hope it really does move the needle. If it does, me and John would appreciate it if you just went out and shared it on your socials or told a few other people or even just went and left a review on the podcast on Apple or something like that. Anything you can do to put this in the hands of the right people, I appreciate you for doing that and I appreciate all your support wholeheartedly on this journey that we're, I've taken this podcast from zero to fucking 100. So again, cheers mate for your time. Thank you very much. Peace out guys. Don't forget to subscribe to the Frankie Lee Podcast.